The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We have the podcast that gives you full on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more. All from things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. We're going back to the 90s, to that kind of 90s second wave of punk rock. Such a good wave. (laughs) Such a good era for music right here. Absolutely. And we are going to discuss the 1994 album, Smash, by The Offspring. Absolutely Uh, fantastic. Very excited to be talking this one. Yep. Uh, So this is actually their third studio album, but this is definitely where they started to take off. Um, I remember hearing them... Uh, you know, all of a sudden on the radio, seeing them on MTV, and this is where the band really kind of grasped um, the kind of national attention mm-hmm. and, you know, really brought more punk fans mm-hmm. into the mainstream and more mainstream fans into the punk scene. Yeah, yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. I mean, um, at the same time, so Dookie came out in 1994 as well, which is yeah. another kind of one like that. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, actually going to, I'm going to go through some of these amazing 1994 albums and just talk about what a great year it was for music in general. Sure. Um, But yeah, like punk in particular was having a nice, you know, like this kind of not quite pop, but like legit punk resurgence into popular music, uh, was really strong at this point. Um, I remember buying the album. I had it on CD, um, playing it in the house. Um, I imagine that was your introduction to it. I can't remember. I would think so. I mean, I probably probably heard some of the stuff on MTV or radio. Yeah. But the album as a whole, absolutely. It was because of you, and you played this one in the house for sure. Yep. And uh, I, 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 it, became, it became a regular rotation one for me. I don't think I played it when Mom was home. Yeah, I can see uh, why not. But, but uh, I think often, like, after school, there was that time in between when we got home from school and when Mom actually got home from work. There was like a few hours there where um, I would let this uh, album, you know, roll. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, I I enjoyed it and, and have enjoyed it since. It has not really fell out of uh, out of rotation for me. Uh, I would say, yeah. I mean, I haven't, I haven't actively picked this album to listen to, but it's like always one I remember being an album that I could listen to all the way through. Right. So yeah, I, I would agree that at least my appreciation for it never went away. Yeah. Uh, so the album was released on April eighth, nineteen ninety four. It was released by Epitaph Records, and it was produced by. Tom Wilson, who unfortunately passed in 2015, um, but was a uh, a big not a big time punk rock uh, mm-hmm. producer and engineer, produced a bunch of bands, uh, including the Dead Kennedys, Bad Religion, Joy Killer, Social Distortion, uh, the Vandals, and also did the uh, the uh, all three of the first Offspring albums, including Smash. Wow. Um, so I think after I think after uh, Offspring got really big, um, I think they ended up you know putting more money in because you can tell there is still a kind of raw yeah. quality to this album that are in a lot of punk albums because a lot of punk bands don't have the kind of money to get sort of overly produced 
uh, sounds and whatnot. I think Dookie was the first time I ever would think of a band with a really highly produced sound that was still punk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, you can definitely hear a little bit more of a raw quality to this, but it's it it's still I mean it's punk, so that works. Yeah, it does. I mean, it it, it feels like some some of these songs as we'll talk about have have like a traditional punk feel to them, and some of them have a more kind of clean punk, uh, popular punk sound to them, and so it's a good mix that we've got in here. So the band itself uh, was Dexter Holland on lead. Uh, vocals and rhythm guitar a man named kevin john wasserman who goes as the name noodles as the lead guitarist uh greg k uh was the bass guitar um and he was the bass guitarist up until 2018 which is around the time i saw the band 2018 2019 okay. i did see the moon concert once um, i'm pretty sure now the only two members now are just dexter and noodles um and ron welty was the drummer for them at that time. Mm. Uh, a couple of extra uh, people to note, a guy named Jason Blackball McLean uh, did some additional vocals on Come Out and Play. Um, and then I'm assuming this is not the right one, uh, John Mayer. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the same. It's not the same guy. because he didn't this have a is, link to, to his name, so no, I don't think Also, this is clearly the guy who is doing the sort of voiceover thing throughout yeah. the album who that you'll hear and that definitely does not sound like the john mayer we're thinking of no. um so he's i who knows if he's like a friend because he does appear on at least on americana uh which which is like two albums after this mm-hmm. um because i think they did like ixnay and the ombre or something like that is there one following this one which yes, i think there, is yeah, kind of a, like it was, was kind of an underrated album, um, but then they did Americana in like '98 or '99. I think it was '99, yeah. um, and that was another huge album for them. And he he appears on that one as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So Adam hit me with some fun facts. Sure. Uh, this album hit uh, peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot uh, Billboard 200 album chart. Uh, it has sold over 11 million copies worldwide, uh, making it one of the best-selling independent record label mm. albums of all time. Um, and it is this is Offspring's best best selling album. I actually thought it was going to be Americana because Pretty Fly for a White Guy was a song that you annoyingly couldn't get away from right. for a while. Uh, but that sold ten million copies. So overall, this one did sell a little bit more. And the budget for this album, they only spent twenty thousand dollars making this album. That's amazing, uh, amazing. Uh, and clocking in at forty six minutes. It's their longest album to date. And that's not even really that long of an album. No. I mean, no. most of these songs are fairly short. So it came out in 94. I want to just, I mean, granted, yes, it's because our formative years were around this time. Yeah. Um, but just, just even without, here are some of the other amazing albums. And some of these we've already talked about um, have come out in 1994. So Green Day's Dookie, Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails, uh, Illmatic by Nas, um, Super Unknown by Soundgarden, uh, Nirvana released their MTV Unplugged, uh, Crazy Sexy Cool by TLC, Weezer's self de- uh, self-titled album, uh, Definitely Maybe by Oasis, uh, Vitology by Pearl Jam, Throwing Copper by Live, uh, Cracked Review by Hootie and the Blowfish, um, Korn's first album, Korn, uh, Monster by R.E.M., uh, Under the Table and Dreaming by D- by Dave Matthews Band, 16 Stone by Bush, um, Purple by Stone Temple Pilots that we talked not too long ago, Wildflowers <laughs> that we also talked with Tom Petty, like Four by fucking Blues Traveler, uh, Seal's album Seal, like 
tons of phenomenal albums came out in 1999. Wow. It's a hell of a time to be alive, Adam. Hell of a time to be alive. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much what I got. It's a great time for music, a great time for punk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into it. We have an intro. Normally, I don't really like to talk about these things, but it does kind of set the tone for this. So let's talk about the first one, which is just called Time to Relax. Ah, it's time to relax. You know what that means. Glass of wine, your favorite easy chair, and of course, this compact disc playing on your home stereo. So go on and indulge yourself. That's right. Kick off your shoes, put your feet up, lean back and just enjoy the melodies. After all, Music soothes even the savage beast. So they really date themselves by uh, calling it a compact disc. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, yeah, yeah, so go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, apparently they did not include this on the cassette version because it said that. Oh, okay. But I I think it hilariously sets up the, the tone where it's yeah. it's serious but playful and, and stuff. I, I, I really like the inflections that the guy throws in there. I always, maybe not always, I guess, but I do appreciate some of those punk bands that understand senses of humor. I uh-huh. think Green Day is in that group. Offspring's in that group. Um, Blink-182 is in that group. Right. Some of those bands who understand, you know, they're just going to have some fun. Now, I also I also do appreciate some of the more punk ones, but like I put Bad Religion in that, but punks, they're more political punk. Right. Um, I, some of the stuff that's like, hardcore punk or like the british punk like i don't love the ramones i don't love the sex pistols right. those don't they don't really do it for me but these kind of bands who i don't know i love that they're willing to add this kind of jokey stuff in there i think it's fun i think yeah. it adds it adds a little something extra to the album and that bleeds us right into the first actual song of the album called new uh called nitro parenthetical youth energy I think this is actually a great opening song for the album. I think it's, yeah, I think it's about a perfect, like, punk start to this album right here. It starts out very high energy, very quick, um, you know, just uh, uh, really fast, like, single notes on the snare drum. I I like, as a drummer, I like the tone of the ride cymbal. It's very bright and pingy. So when he switches over there, it's, I mean, it's like, it's like he's just hitting this bright ass piece of metal. I mean, which technically is because he's hitting <laughs> a brass cymbal. But like, it's just, it really like, it's like almost like piercing. Mm-hmm. It's almost piercing. And to me, that screams punk. That sort of, that sort of tone and sound. Really fast moving guitar riffs. Um, in power chords, so it's not just like a single note lick. It's actually power chords really fast. The whole song just screams punk to me, and I think it's a great way to set the tone for a punk album. Yeah, uh, I think uh, perfect energy, perfect you know feel, tempo, everything to start this one. Um, the whole lyrics being live like there's no tomorrow. It's basically go hard, go fast. I mean, it's an anthem style feel for the youth. Of yeah. Basically just like, yeah, fuck everything, just do what you want. You know, and... <laughs> Great speed to it. it. It starts off wonderfully. So, yeah, I, I'm feeling great at this first song. Yeah. 
And then it takes us to our next. We take a huge uh, step backwards in terms of tempo with this one. Maybe not necessarily intensity. Yeah. Um, and that was with Bad Habit. So it does eventually get into that. It takes over a minute to get to that that yeah. speed, which is which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of it's almost deceptive um, mm-hmm. how they start us out. This song has always been one of my favorites. Yeah, um, for one very simple reason: uh, the <laughs> very I, yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone everyone's favorite part when this song uh, when I saw them live mm-hmm. and they played this song. They got to that part of the song, the middle part, with the very memorable lines, and they got right up to it, and they stopped. <laughs> and, like, they just, it was, like, silence for, like, a whole minute, and then Dexter Holland just started, like, talking to the band, and it was, like, it was, honest to God, it was, like, a solid, like, th- two or three minutes of just kind of dicking around. He's just and then fucking boom, with the crowd. And, just, and then they, boom, they jumped right back into it uh-huh. on the on the line, everyone Everyone's, you know, sang with them. <clears throat> they kicked back into the song. Everyone was like moshing around us. It was, you know, very, very high energy at that point. Um, but they, yeah, they, uh, as you like the term you like to use, they edged us a little bit. Yeah, they right did. There. <laughs> hey, but it felt good when you finally get to scream, you stupid, dumb shit. Goddamn motherfucker. Do that, do that, do that. I mean, that's, that's such a fun part of the song. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I can see that being like, that's great. That's great that they kind of fuck with the crowd a bit. Cause yeah. you know, they're waiting to scream that like literally that is something that they, they want to chant. Oh like yeah. Crazy. You absolutely want to. Um, yeah. and, and it's just a simple song about road rage. It is. It's all about kind of run, road rage, having a gun with you. Basically like <laughs> maybe like tie in like some yeah abuse of guns in America, but, but definitely road rage in general. It's a fun song. Love the the driving energy on this one. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of the best better ones on the album. I yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which I think in high school I actually would have told you was my favorite song. Oh, okay, uh, from them, it is. It has a little bit more of a pop, rock, pop punk feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I that actually really quick brings up something. A lot of people put uh, the Offspring. Uh, in the in in pop punk, mm. I don't necessarily agree with that. Maybe some of their later stuff kind yeah, of bled into pop punk because of Americana that they yeah. would do that. But with this one, absolutely not. Yeah, it's too early for now. But yeah, yeah, down down the line, you know, with even like the kids aren't all right, um, right. And those are the ones that have a more cleaner produced sounds and definitely Pretty Fly for a White Guy. That's just a comedy track, basically. Right. Um, I could see that, but yeah, not quite, not quite here. They're not there yet. Uh, All right, so let's get into that next song called Gotta Get Away.
Um, I, it is a little bit slower. It has a little bit more of a pop melody to it. Um, but I always really like this one. And it was released as a single. I think it was their final single that they released yep. officially out, out of here. Although there were plenty of songs I heard from this album that I heard play on the radio. They just weren't officially released as singles, as it were. Yeah, I wish that... I don't know if that happens anymore. Like, you know, I don't feel like stations play like some of these other songs to like really you find them because right. now everything is just like eh, all radio stations are pretty much seemingly owned by like iHeartRadio or some shit and it's just some right. fucking computer you know uh, playlist that they just click and it's nothing but just like the the singles but uh, there was a time where they actually had some of their own you know validity in their own um, voice where they could like you know mm-hmm. what I'm gonna play this other song by the band because I fucking love it maybe college radio yeah, maybe if that's if that's still a thing that now, if that's a thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it hit number six on the modern rock chart. Uh, does slow things down from the previous two, but it's still solid. Um, apparently, the lyrics refer to the pressure that Dexter was uh, feeling under the under the time to the crunch to complete the album. Um, but definitely, you kind of look into it. There's definitely about p- paranoia in general. Yeah, that, that the song is about. But um, I think it's a good. I wouldn't put it in my top. You know, I'd probably put it in like the, the upper mid tier of the okay. album. But um, but the change of pace, I think, does a good job of adding something to it because by the end of Bad Habit, it's already gotten back up to its high energy. Right. Um, and so this kind of slowed things down a little bit, but it's still a good sound to it. It does have a music video. And it's basically about this kid who I would say like his journey in a mosh pit is the way to kind of <laughs> do it. And it's just kind of fun. It's okay. just a whole bunch of mosh stuff. And I don't know. I, when I was watching the video, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, man, you remember all those parents who are like, they don't like some of this hard music because it, it makes people feel, you know, angry. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's going to cause violent thoughts. And I'm like, and I'm like, always in this, my head, I'm like, that's bullshit. You know, like the music mm-hmm. doesn't cause these violent thoughts. But then I'm like, then I thought to myself about mosh pits and I'm like, okay, maybe some of these music does cause violent <laughs> thoughts because sometimes <laughs> you get into them and you get into a mosh pit and you just want to fucking stomp around. And yeah, kind of a thing. But anyway, uh, it's a good song. Yeah, it's a very good song. Uh, All right, and we'll move on to the next one called Genocide. Uh, so we're we're back to kind of a traditional punk sound. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fine song. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I'm able to listen to it. There's nothing I find that really there's nothing that really uh, sets it apart from anything. It's kind of in the same vein as like Nitro. It's just a good mm-hmm. punk song. Yeah. Uh, great uh, great little you know licks on the guitars, really fast riffs, fast drums. Yeah, uh, absolutely solid punk song here. Um, the yeah the, the upping the tempo is kind of nice uh the some of the lyrics of the dog eat dog every day our fellow man on we pray um definitely about like how humans will hurt each other to get ahead in life and mm-hmm. basically and that's how he, he thinks it's basically killing us as a society as a society if you will the genocide of our society is ourselves that we're causing this um but yeah it feels like a traditional punk song i appreciate it don't wouldn't want to skip this one 
Um, but also, I'm not going to like go out and actively find genocide. Right. But if I, someone but if like someone it. asked you to pick an Offspring song, it's yeah. probably not going to be this one. No, for, for me, no. But it is it is decent. I do like at the very 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 end of it. There's a short little another spoken word by John right. Mayer where he goes, mm, "I especially enjoyed that one," <laughs> and that's it. And then it goes on to the next song. And let's talk about that next song called "Something to Believe In." Right, so I actually, out of the kind of sort of standard punk songs that are on this album, this one's one of my favorites of those. Okay. Uh, that where it did, you know, there are some other ones in here where they, it is still punk, but like there's something that makes it sound a little extra. Mm-hmm. And this one's just kind of a straight, uh, straight on. Um, I really like this one. Um, I really like the the kind of the guitar like the dun 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 dun. I mean, it's very simple stuff. But it's a it's a really kind of intoxicating riff that really drives the song forward. Yeah, I put it in the similar vein with yeah those other ones with genocide that we just heard. Mm-hmm. Similar feel, solid punk song. Um, I, you know I'm not going to go out of my way for this one, but I appreciate it. I'm not going to skip it. Um, definitely, uh, the song is about pushing against the norm of what you're being told to do by society. You know, be a rebel, don't be a follower. Uh, give us something to believe in. That's basically what it's telling you. And, and I like it. I, I think this is just, I, I give it as a good filler punk song. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, let's go to the next one, which is honestly the song that probably put them on the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first single released, and it is Come Out and Play. Separated. So, Adam, there's uh, a handful of drum licks that uh, every drummer in their life uh, tries to play. Um, (laughs) The opening to Smells Like Teen Spirit Mm -hmm. would be one. The filling uh, in, in the air tonight, maybe? Filling in the air tonight. <laughs> Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover has a very unique uh, yeah. drum part. And the other one would be the intro to Come Out and Play uh, because it is very unique sounding. Mm-hmm. And it is not necessarily easy to do um, because what you're doing is that he's actually clicking the metal rod underneath the hi-hat cymbals. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the hi-hat do the tss- sound mm-hmm. in normally you're playing on top of that but because you're you're hitting the run underneath it he hits it from below so da, 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 and then you strike up on the hi-hat which is kind of against your normal mm-hmm. uh the way you're doing it so it does take some getting used to um but i've from the time this song came out to now i've heard several several drummers um when they're first starting out trying to play this lick yeah i I only kind of noticed how he did it because it's in the music video. Yeah. Um, and so I, saw, I was like, oh, well, that's pretty unique. So that's pretty cool. Other than that, uh, other than that, uh, you have a very uh, memorable uh, guitar line 
The ba na 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 na. Oh yeah, yeah. almost like a like a Middle Eastern feel. Yeah, to it. Yeah, um, which really seems to come out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah, and it's not, and it's only well, it's only repeated late, late in the album. But um, yeah, because they don't have like really too many other worldly influences. Uh, well, I take that back. There is like a reggae song esque kind of feel on one of the later songs, but but um, but yeah, it does come out of nowhere for this song. Um, it hit number one on the modern rock chart. Uh, and apparently Dexter said that the song is about gang and school violence. Uh, quote, back then I was a grad student and I was commuting to school every day in a shitty car driving through East LA gangland central. I was there one day of the, uh, I was there the day of the LA riots. So I was very aware of that part of the world. And a lot of that gun stuff came out in the song, uh, like songs like came out and play. And even specifically, the so the line, unrelated to that, the line, you got to keep them separated, uh, was inspired from Dexter's experience in a lab cooling uh, flasks under uh, full of hot liquid. So you got to keep yeah. them separated. Interesting. Uh, very famously, if you know anything about him, uh, Dexter Holland actually has a PhD in molecular biology. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he got that. He got that later in 2017. But. But he's he was a he he was a grad he, he got his master's yeah. in molecular biology at this time. Yeah, so he was I mean he was already doing he was already working in this. Yes, when he was his high school's he was his high school's class valedictorian. Okay. Eighty four. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Eighty four. I was three years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, he's a smart dude. Obviously, he's got I me. Mean, he went back. He went back to school. Got his PhD. I mean, he is a very intelligent guy. It, very smart. I, I do want to say a lot of people associate having a PhD with being very smart. I associate being having a PhD with being a very hard worker sure. because I've known plenty of people with PhDs who are absolute <laughs> morons. You know who you are. I you know who you know. Who you Actually, are. they probably don't know who they are because they think they're so fucking smart. Uh, and 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 yes, there is a degree of intelligence that has to go with like do getting in a you know a secondary uh, degree or like a master's or or, or a, a PhD. Really, it's just three things: time, money, persistence, and that's really yeah. it. Anyone anyone can do it. Really, mm-hmm. if you don't think you're that. smart enough for it, you're you're definitely smart enough for it. You just gotta. It's time and persistence and then the money to pay for it. So Sure. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the next one, which was the second one and, and probably the second best known song off this album called Self-Esteem. So I actually remember this song being played more than come out and play. Uh yeah. Everywhere. It felt bigger. It yeah, it definitely felt bigger. Um I actually appreciate the opening. There's them kind of like half ass singing just the the guitar chords essentially. Um I think it's a great way to open a song. Yeah, it is. I mean I like the yeah, I like the yelling side of it too, where they start things off. Uh it's a yeah, this is a fun this, this was maybe I mean, it's one of my favorites on the album. I don't know. I don't even know what I would call as my favorite song in this album. Sure. Um, 
maybe it's this one, but yeah, it hit number four on the modern rock chart. But I do think it was bigger because it reached number one on multiple other countries in like Iceland, Norway, Latvia, and Sweden all mm-hmm. hit number one on their charts. This was a pretty more international hit. Um, and actually, it also hit into the US or the UK charts, which Come Out and Play did not. So mm-hmm. a little bit bigger. The song itself, a little bit, uh, it's about a woman, I think, who, who tramples all over the narrator of the song. And she kind of destroys uh, this person's self-esteem, but, you know, and uses him for sex. But he's still OK with it because, you know, he's, he's got no self-esteem and no self-worth. Yeah. So fuck it. I do um, remember I do remember thinking when I was like, you know. 13 14 15 when the song when this album came out i'm like who doesn't want to have sex yeah exactly <laughs> you want to have sex but i you know uh, i was a typical teenage boy so yes um and it's you know it feels like a very kind of simple song much more simpler it doesn't have like that you know like the middle eastern sound to the other one um but it's a good one i've always enjoyed it i've always been it was very catchy very easy to to, to listen to and yeah one of my favorites alright let's move on to the next one called It'll Be a Long Time So, I mean, we get another kind of straightforward punky song. It, you know, nothing, nothing that makes it stand out from any of the other ones, but still a quality song. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the thing that actually helps the song is placement. Um, Between Come Out and Play and Self Esteem, they're a little bit, a little bit less traditional punk. They're a little bit more of kind of like, you know, they fit into the popular vibe and mostly just because maybe, you know, they were also, they were singles. Right. But this song comes in and it brings me back to that traditional punk, that fast, you know, fuck it feel. Um, and I think it's actually very well placed on the album. It just kind of mm-hmm. uh, helps me kind of, I don't know, just it ke- keeps me interested with kind of some of this different tempo play that they've got. Um, the song itself about how the government screws up the world and the common man is blind to it. Um, and it'll be a long time before we fix it that kind of yeah. shit we mentioned stuff like like bad religion being political punk punk in itself i think inherently is a little bit political and you do see that i just think bad religion like that's like a lot of their yeah. focus yes as it were Absolutely. um which is not a bad thing because uh if you listen to our uh cover of uh oh god what was the name of that album stranger than fiction yes uh, great album mm-hmm. yep very much so uh all right let's move on to the next one which is the only cover uh, on this album, they're covering a song by the band called The Digits, which is kind of like a smaller punk band from like the late 80s to early 90s, uh, and it's called Kill Boy Powerhead. So I think this song both sticks out as not being an offspring song and also fits their vibe perfectly. It's a okay. weird thing and I think that's only from knowing 
what you know, having listened to a lot of Offspring, knowing what their sound is, and you know, hearing this against everything else, where I can pick out the uh, compositional differences, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but Offspring totally makes it seem seamless in their uh, in their album, and I, you know, before I learned that it was a uh, cover song, which I learned pretty early on, because I think even on the back of the CD it said. Mm originally done by the digits or whatever I wouldn't have been able to tell you that it wasn't an offspring song if I didn't if I wasn't if I hadn't listened to this album multiple multiple times and really compared it to the other songs yeah but it does it does feel different it does as you, yeah I I, I ca- count this probably as my least favorite on the album oh really um, yeah. I don't know what I would call it my least favorite I wouldn't put it uh above mid-tier probably wouldn't even put it mid-tier i'll probably put lower tier out of the album but again this is another one of those albums where there really is no lear, low, lower tier there's just kind of upper sure. tier and mid-tier and that's it <laughs> sure there's no real lower Fair. tier per se that's fine I mean, this, I mean this is definitely my least favorite and i can kind of tell and i guess i guess maybe I, I was you know adjusted because i saw that it was a cover and i don't know if i could have told you that it was covered but i do i do feel the different feel the vibe of his song just slight difference yeah um and i think it's okay yeah i, I give it okay but it's just, it's it's my bottom it's my bottom of the of the album okay fine uh all right well let's go ahead on to the next one called what happened to you So this is really kind of one of the things where you really start to see kind of the humor yeah. of funk because it is kind of it, it it definitely has some humor to it, but I still think it's kind of a serious message. Yeah, um, it's about someone who destroyed their life with drugs, and the narrator tried to help him, but he got fed up uh, and quit helping him because the subject was unwilling to change. And like, I feel like everybody uh, knows someone like that. Yeah. Has has that one friend that we've that we try to help, even when we know it's uh, like a bad idea or impossible or whatever, um, but we still go through you know, with helping them, and eventually we just like, all right, I I can't I can't do anything for you anymore. Yeah, uh, but you're right. It's got a I mean, it's got almost like a almost a reggae punk feel to this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it's short and simple. But I, and I even had a guitar solo in there, and I like that too. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, the song itself I think is a lot of fun. I really really dug this one. Yeah. Uh, I remember being a teenager and uh, having specific people at my high school in mind when the song would come on. (laughs) Uh What in the world happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. Most of them were assholes. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Some people are assholes. Uh, You don't have to like them and you don't have to forgive them. No. They can just, you know, just go on. I don't talk to them anymore. So I haven't talked to them since high school, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's go on to the next one called So Alone.
this song, to me, uh, is like the most punk song on this entire album. Sure. There's a, a, a an even more rawness to this song to me and to my ear than any other ones. Also, it is very short at like mm-hmm. basically one minute and seventeen seconds, um, which is uh, not a hallmark of all punk songs, but it is a hallmark of some punk songs. Um, I would actually put this one as my least favorite out of the album. This is this is just above the other one for me. I mean, it is <laughs> there. This is maybe. <laughs> low a low b uh, but yeah so alone is my least favorite of the traditional punk ones it's not it's nothing special and it's super kind of fast and quick and i'm just like okay i can't even really there's not enough to even get into with this right song. i mean it just so. it, it it's very quick it happens it, and that there's like there's no reason to skip it so you just kind of let it play sure it's like yeah it'll be over soon yeah <laughs> that's just what i tell my wife every night <laughs> <laughs> just just don't worry about it it'll be over soon honey <laughs> but i'm uh I bet she gets a lot of reading done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Least invasive possible. All right, let's go to the next one called Not the One. I'm not the one who made the world what it is today. I'm not the one who caused the problems started long ago. But now I'm dealing with all the consequences of problems on time. I carry on and never once had even question why This one is still kind of mid-tier, but I appreciate that we've, you know, we've got a, a different sound at the beginning with that kind of like tremolo-y guitar going in. It still goes into that kind of traditional punk uh, sound that we've heard, but like just the the tone of it, the tone of it is just slightly different. It makes it stand out stand out a little bit. I wouldn't say that there was anything else in the song that particularly grabbed me per se, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a it's a nice follow up to the very quick, fast paced so alone. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it um, because of the the change in the placement of it, it felt it felt good. It felt right, good good placement for the song. Um, yeah, it felt like it's mid tier. It's not an amazing song, but sure. I enjoyed it. Uh, apparently, about how fucked up the world is and how the youth are unfairly blamed for a lot of the problems, but they're not really the ones who have caused the problems. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, solid. I, I enjoyed this one. All right, and that brings us up to the final song of the album, maybe. Maybe. Uh, called Smash. I mean, so this has a very punk message to me. It's, I think it's a it's a it's a good way to end a, a punk album. Um, mm-hmm. It has a very similar, um, not only just tempo but vibe and feel to Nitro. I feel which mm-hmm. at the at the beginning. So we're kind of bookending with similar sounds, which I also a- appreciate. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's the most amazing ending song for for an album, but it you know it's a punk it's a punk album. So I, to me, it 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 works. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, the lyrics, I'm not a trendy asshole. I do what I want. I do what I feel like. Uh, it's all about being yourself and fuck everyone else. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I think I, I appreciated that one. 
And then there was some narration at the end of this song. Yeah, so it's a, you can't call this this part like a hidden track because it immediately yeah. follows the song uh, with a, the little bit of the funny narration. And then there's just, just some music, which is basically the intro to Genocide, and it just kind of loops for a bit, mm-hmm. and then there's silence. Until. Until. It's the 90s. It's the 90s, so we got to have a hidden track. Um, and it is basically just the melody from "Come Out and Play." Um, it honestly, it sounds like it sounds like they were just fucking around in the studio, and yeah. you know, no, maybe Noodles was playing that lick to get it right, and the drummer came in and started playing sort of a, more of a Middle Eastern feel, and they yeah, just kind ex- of extra Middle Eastern, yeah, extra Middle Eastern, and they just kind of uh, went with it and recorded it for fun or something like that, and just threw it on sure. at the end. I do yeah. like that it reprises something from earlier in the album, so it mm-hmm. kind of rewards you from having listened to the whole album. Yeah, something's like, now they didn't use like an. Did they use an actual sitar or anything like that? Or is it no, just no, no. The guitar I, I think it's just the guitar, just kind of almost mimicking the sound, but not exactly. Yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's just it's nothing special. It's fine, but it, it kind of gives you a little extra Arabic version of "Come Out and Play," just the just the melody. Yep, and that is the end of the album. So Adam, let's start off with your final thoughts. I had a fun time going back and listening to Smash. Um, even like the low tier stuff is listenable. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I really the only one that I would that I could potentially consider skipping is Killboy, uh, Powerhead, and So Alone. But even those, I don't feel the need to skip them. So Alone, especially, right. is so fucking fast. You know, it's not a big deal. Right. Um, but neither of them are really needed. It, it's a it is a one you can go from top to bottom and enjoy. And I really appreciated going back and kind of reinvigorating some of this this punk stuff and um you know I, I sometimes when i think of offspring you know when i'm not thinking of smash i get stuck in the pretty fly for a white guy right and i because i listen to i don't i do not like that song i think it's stupid it's it a novelty song it's a novelty, it's a novelty song. song exactly and so i think they get a lot of and so sometimes I, I too much think of that, but their but their other stuff are great. I mean, the kids aren't all right is a fantastic song. Yeah, from I that agree. Same album. There's, I mean, there are some really good songs off that album. You just got to yes. find them. Yeah, I just I don't know why I just really hate that, <laughs> that song so much. But Smash is absolutely fantastic. You know, maybe I just need to get my '90s rock playlist and kind of pull all their good stuff onto that. Um, but yeah, I loved this album before, and I still love it. I'm glad to hear that it still holds up. Uh, this has always been uh, one of my favorite albums. Oddly enough, it actually has become one of my son's favorite albums, um, and not at my prompting. He just found it. He's kind of gone through some of the stuff that I had, and he'll just kind of find other bands that he's heard of me talk about or whatever and just kind of listen to them, and he just uh, will go through the albums and listen to them. So this has become one of his favorites as well. Um, even though currently right now he's on a big Weezer train. And to me, this is one of my favorite driving albums because everything is pretty much just fast paced. So it's it's great to have in the car, you know, as long as you're, yeah. you know, staying under the limit reasonably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the sure. uh, the one Road Rage song notwithstanding. And it's it's a great 
example of kind of the transition from the indie 90s punk scene into what was the kind of the mainstream 90s punk scene. Um, this is, a, I think, a perfect album that really kind of showcases that sort of transition and will always be one of my favorites. All right, that was our review of the album Smash by The Offspring. Please join us next time as we break down the 1992 film Under Siege, discuss the 80s cartoon The Snorks, and recast Under Siege using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. wrestled the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Your mother is in here, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. We hooked the fisherman killer Ben Willis, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, you got a letter? I got run over, Helen gets her hair chopped off, Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter. That's balanced. We survived a summer away with the angel of death, Angela Baker, in sleepaway camp. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? But we ain't seen nothing yet. Join Alex and Dean of the Return Revenge Resurrection Podcast as we go toe-to-toe with the ever-resourceful Michael Myers. I shot him six times! Be there as we discuss the Halloween franchise in its entirety, from John Carpenter's beloved 1978 classic to David Gordon Green's epic forthcoming finale. I shot him in the heart! We cover it all. The good, the bad, and the bloody. Return Revenge Resurrection, a podcast that slashes its way through horror movie franchises. You don't know what death is. New episodes every Thursday, available wherever podcasts are found. I told everyone!